Welcome back to Straight to DVD. Boom. Raphael, welcome back once again to another fantastic episode here at the Straight to DVD Studios located in <laughs> Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. Here we are. We're in Lot B today. Lot B of the studios. The studios. The STD yes. studios. Yes. Our primary uh, picture is being shot on Studio A. We are back uh, in a heartbreaking turn of events. We actually recorded this episode. Well, not this episode, but this film. We discussed yeah. it last week. We did. An hour-long discussion. A pretty good discussion. I would say so. It was one of our better episodes. Yeah. Um, and we found out not long after I departed that it did, in fact, not record a single second of our no, discussion. Not a word. So Not a peep. Not a peep. So here we are again. Take two. Yeah. Doing, ironically, the last duel. Again. <laughs> again. <laughs> the real last duel. The last, last duel. The final duel. The final duel. Some would say. Some would say. The film that came out last year. This yeah. year? Last year. 2021. So it's last 2022 year. 2022 now. That's right. Yeah. It is. Directed by the one and only Ridley Scott, who also did another film last year, which you saw and I did not. Yeah, House of Gucci. Well, yeah. You should see it. It's about your people. My people. Yeah. Uh, is it? Do you think it's a, a fair representation of the Italian-American individual? Well, well, I guess not your people, because they're like proper Italians. Yes. There's um, nothing proper about my ethnicity. No, there's nothing proper about Italian-Americans. <laughs> I, I feel like we talk about this all the time, but there's not enough Italian-American representation in film. It's Yeah, it's it, mostly just... If it's, if it's Italian, it's Italian. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Last Duel is... Not last duel. House of Gucci is, is bad. <laughs> the last Gucci. <laughs> yeah. It's a bunch of Americans doing like silly Italian accents. Right. But speaking English the whole time. Interesting. So yeah. they're all talking like this. Like, where is my they where is my Gucci bag? That's literally how they all talk. Wow. Uh sounds awful. Jared Leto is absurd in it. I didn't even know he was in it. He's in it. He plays a fat Italian man. And he <laughs> his name is Paolo, and I think at one point, he literally says, It's me, Paolo. Oh, you have to be dope. I, I'm well, not joking. Now I want to see it. You, you, it's like, it's worth seeing just because of how ridiculous it is. Right. But it's a bad movie. Okay. But it's enjoyable because it's it's so silly. So, Gucci came out before The Last Duel? I think after The Last but Duel. But it was shot before. But it was shot before. Okay. And then there was like, there was that COVID thing, which yes. is like maybe over? Possibly. I don't know. It seems like everyone's acting like it is. Yeah, but who know, apparently there's another, there's a variant of this last variant that's like in Europe right now oh. and it's going to come here in a couple of weeks and we're just not fully prepared. But that's a discussion for another day. That's for the, the Straight to DVD medical podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Where we suddenly become, uh, you know, experts on, on infectious diseases. <laughs> this disease is going straight to DVD. Dude, some, some diseases are, S, well, some STDs are, well, all STDs yeah, are diseases. That's true. It literally has it in the name. Yeah. Straight to, 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 to disease. disease. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, House of Gucci was shot before. COVID happened. Right. Got postponed. Last Duel was shot. And I think also maybe been postponed a little bit. The Last Duel ended up being released before House of Gucci. But I saw House of Gucci before I saw Last Duel. Interesting. So there's so, just all this flip flop. So yeah, everything is yeah. flip flop. Time doesn't matter. We recorded this episode last week. Right. It's coming out next week, but really, this is the last week when this will come out. <laughs> well, I couldn't have said it better myself. 
Um, we've never had this happen before. And no. amazing in our 70-something episodes we've yeah. done. Like two years of doing this? Two years of doing this. We've never botched a recording. Um, so this is a new, interesting little exercise for us. And somewhat repeating our discussion from last week while at the same time essentially kind of creating something new. Yeah. Uh, because we're going to feel like we're repeating ourselves. But to you at home, yeah. this is all fresh takes. They're cold, but they're fresh. But they're fresh. We've heard these takes. We've heard these takes. But you have not. You, listener, right. have not. So the last duel, um, if I recall correctly, as we started last week, what we did was we, we talked about how uh, sort of this movie was marketed. Right. Um, and how it kind of went under people's radar, it seems a little bit. I and mean, there kind of wasn't much promotion for it, which is interesting considering it's fucking directed by Ridley Scott and it's yeah. starring some of the biggest movie stars in it uh, yeah. ever. Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Adam Driver, Jodie yeah. Comer. Um, and so it's just interesting. But, you know, it, it's weird because we you see the poster or you see some clips from the trailer and you're not really sure what the movie is about. Like, oh, it's yeah. just a period piece by Ridley yeah. Scott, right? I mean, it's not until you watch it that you realize, oh, there's a reason you don't really know what it's about because there's no real way to market what this film is. Now, Raph, you saw it in theaters, yes? No. You didn't. No. You saw it on streaming. I saw it on streaming. What did you know about it prior to viewing it? If um, I think, well, it's because it was... Once it was on streaming, I knew a little bit about it, so I kind of knew what the story was, what the whole deal was. Uh, but I still didn't know too much because even once it was like pushed to streaming, there still wasn't like a lot of marketing. I just saw some rumblings on the internet of like movie people being like, "Hey, this is one of the better movies from 2021. If you like movies, you should watch it." Mm -hmm. So checked it out. Really was really dug it was kind of surprised by what it actually was. Um, and like you, I, I think we were both surprised that this movie didn't get like a bigger push. I'm also surprised even like now during award season, like it, it's not, I don't think it's up for any Oscars or anything like that. Like, mm -hmm. but it should be, it's one of the better put together movies. It's very well acted, well written, all that good stuff. Like there's no reason why it shouldn't have gotten sort of like second wind right. during award season. It'll probably be something that like in like three to five years as people start watching it again, like that's when it'll probably pick up steam, but it's a shame that it's not now. So I guess part of why we're here is to, to make sure people go watch it. Right. That's cool. Hear about the film and check it out. Um, what's interesting is that, yes, uh, I think maybe even a little bit more so than you, I had absolutely zero knowledge of the film going into it yeah um you recommended we do an episode on it after you've seen it um it was something i'd been interested in seeing but i you know i knew nothing about it all i knew was that our esteemed colleague fernando bowles said hey guys the last duel is uh pretty good you yeah. check it out. which as we said is something he almost <laughs> never says uh so i was surprised to hear that mm -hmm. coming from his mouth let alone about this film so what's interesting is you go into it and you're just like, oh, okay, Ridley Scott, it's a period piece in the 1300s in France, there's war. Oh, okay. It's like, it's a gladiator. It's like gladiator, another gladiator type, type deal. Right, exactly. Um, and initially it seems like, oh, it might be like that. Like 
the film starts off um, at the end. We get a little snippet of where things lead to the last duel, <laughs> if you will, between uh, Adam Brody's character Jacques Legree. Adam and, Driver. And what did I say? Who's Adam Brody? Adam Brody? Oh, I think he's on. Uh, Is it somebody you went to high school with? No, uh, he's. Uh, I think he was on like uh, uh, Gilmore Girls or something. I don't know okay. why I know that. Because um, <laughs> you you love Gilmore. I Girls. love Gilmore Girls. Dude. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Um, Adam Driver plays uh, Jacques Legree. Yes. And Matt Damon plays uh, Jean, <laughs> here we go, Jean de Carouge, um, which why that's humorous, we'll, we'll get into in, in just a moment. Uh, ben Affleck plays the Lord Pierre, and Jodie Comer plays the Lady Marguerite de Carouge. The um, Lord Pierre. The Lord Pierre. <laughs> it is Lord Pierre. Uh, or what, isn't that, isn't that I like think that's, the Lord, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so we we start at the end. We see that Adam Driver and Matt Damon are having a stool. We don't know why. They hit each other with some poles. Yeah. And then it flashes back of however many years ago. Um. So initially we're like, oh, what 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 happened? There was this friendship, and now it's yeah. rivalry. What could possibly happen? So the movie eventually we're, we're watching it through Matt Damon's perspective. Um, and then we get to an event. That happens. It almost feels dirty to call it an event. It's yeah. it's something that happens in the film, and it's fairly significant, um, and it alters the course of where the movie is headed. Yes. Quick time out. Yes. Are we gonna we're we're gonna try to stay away from spoilers? Yes. I because... think similarly to how we did last week, we're gonna we'll give we'll give the broad the broad strokes, but not really say ultimately what happens. There's yeah. one thing that happens that I feel like we can't... We can't really tiptoe around. Yeah, because that is what the movie is about. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, the the ins and outs and ultimately how it ends up, I think we'll keep it off the books because I have a feeling that most people listening right now probably haven't seen it. Yeah, and we want people to see it. Yes. So we'll right. try to not give away too much info right. about the film. Um, All right, cool. Sorry, continue. No, of course. Um, ultimately, my point being that this thing, this very serious, horrible thing happens to a character in the film. And it's what the film revolves around. And what's interesting is that there's a lot of period piece war uh, set pieces in this mm-hmm. film. Um, and they're all done very well because, you know, yeah. Ridley Scott is good at that. Um, but it's sort of the backdrop to what's really happening. And I feel like that's probably why this movie wasn't properly marketed or the people that did see it didn't have much to say about it. It's just a very heavy film. Yeah. Subject matter wise. For sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, 1000%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's going to be tough, tough to tiptoe around. Yes. Um, but it is a movie that I think the less, you know, the better mm-hmm. going into it. I think if you know too much about what's going on, it kind of loses its, uh, its zest. Right. A bit. Um, so yeah, that's why we're, Trying to exercise yes. this kind of restraint. Absolutely. Where usually we're just like, spoiler, 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 right. spoiler, spoiler. All, spoiler. all you need to know is that I, I think probably the best way to pitch this movie to someone who hasn't seen it is that this terrible thing happens to a character mm-hmm. and we witness this story and perspective. And this is really, I think I mentioned this last week, this was really the highlight. I'm going to keep saying that a lot. <laughs> This was really the highlight for me because I had no idea it was going to be presented and yeah. structured this way. Yeah. Um, it is ultimately the same story told three times from three different characters' perspectives. Yeah. Um, it starts with Matt Damon as Jean de Carouge. 
Uh, then it's Adam Driver as Jacques Legree. And then it's Jodie Comer as the Lady Margarita Caruso. Um, and as I said last week, <laughs> as I will say again, now what's humorous, uh, and it, I don't know if it's intentional or not, Yeah. but uh, these, all the act, most of the actors in the film, like a lot of period pieces that Scott has done, they, mm-hmm. they don't really, A, they're not speaking French. Yeah. Uh, B, they're not really talking in accents. Uh, but what's funny is when they say their names, they put on. That's when the accent comes out. That's when the accent yeah. comes out. So it's always funny to hear Matt Damon be like, just speaking in perfectly fine, yeah. so slightly heightened English, being like, this is unbelievable. How how could they have wronged me? Don't they know who I am? I'm Jean de Carouge. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny every time. It it's is. funny every time you say it. it, um, it I, I watched the film again, yeah. particularly humorous, a second time witnessing Damn. that happen. Dude. Um... Yes. Yeah, so we all right. So we did it last week. Yes. And it didn't record. Right. And I thought to myself, "Wow, this is a perfect opportunity to rewatch the movie, right. so it's fresh in my mind." Because yes. the first time I had seen it was a couple months ago. Um. We so I had a chance to to yes. watch it again, and, and I did it. You did. I did. I did not. Great. It, it's March Madness, bro. Oh like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I got to watch the hoopies. Of course. You know, I got brackets. I got bets. All all the stuff. How you doing so, on the bracket? Uh, terrible. Oh. Yeah, I've lost. All of my money, I Great. I took out a couple loans for the bets. Uh-huh. Um, I lost all of that, so my life is sort of in disarray right now. Well, I, sh- I should have just watched the movie. Again. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, I think it would have been a better. Investment. It would have been a wise financial sure. decision to just watch the movie that was free and available to me right. on, on streaming services. Well, if if it makes you feel better, uh, upon second viewing, I feel like everything we talked about was supported. Okay, uh, so we're we're our, our takes are right. I I think so. Okay. I do think so. In fact, yeah. I think we hit the, all of the nails on the head. Damn. Look all at us. Um, <laughs> no one's better at, at analyzing movies. Absolutely not. Not, not, a, no, not a single human being is better at watching no. anything than we are. No. <laughs> um, but back to what I was saying before, and I think yeah, I think this is what you really, if I recall correctly, this is what you really like about the film, too. Um, especially, you know, coming from my background as an actor, too. I think that it's just such an amazing exercise in uh, acting talent mm-hmm. and uh, script work, which For I sure. believe you highlighted yeah. last week. Because you love, right? You love the script. I love the script. I yeah. think it's, I think it's fantastic. Right. Uh, but go on about the, yeah. the acting stuff. Um, what's interesting is that when we watch a film traditionally, tr- most traditional films, it's like things happen in mm-hmm. a linear timeline. Um, and we don't really see scenes happen more than once or from different perspectives or whatever. In this film, like we were saying before, you have the three main characters, different perspectives. So we watch the chain of events from Matt Damon, then Adam Driver, then Jodie Comer's perspective. So a lot of these scenes are the same scene happening three different times, shot slightly differently, acted slightly differently each time. Um, so you see just very subtle changes in line readings, facial expressions, looks, uh, camera cuts and angles, and how all of that supports how the same thing may happen for each character, but really what's happening to each character mm. is what's different. Yeah. Um, which is why I just, I think it's it's such a fantastic, because that, that is the whole point of the story. It's a he yeah. said, she said thing mm-hmm. uh, from three different angles. Yeah. But 
it's just you have to have very strong particular actors who understand what they're doing like Matt Damon and Adam Driver and Jodie Comer. Yeah. And then and Ben Affleck is also there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I underhanded it. That, <laughs> that was that was an alley oop. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh right, of course. March Madness. March Madness. Forgive me. Yes. Teed it up. Teed it up. Um, and you really see that. Uh, it's this. We we fall into the realm now where it's hard to discuss why that's so good without. Delving into diving in. Yeah. Yeah. But so, okay. The, the, the perspective thing, it's not something that we see a lot in filmmaking, but it's obviously like, it can be a super, a super critical just sort of tool at the disposal. We'll say of a filmmaker inter especially for something like this, where the whole movie is about perspective and how different people interpret and uh, sort of relate to, you know, different events, which is something that we can all, all relate to. You know, if you've ever, if you've ever been in a situation where you're retelling a story with some of your friends and you remember it one way and, you know, then someone else chimes in and they're like, that's not exactly what happened. You actually said this thing. And then, you know, everyone misremembers certain aspects of a particular story. And it's not until you see those different perspectives and you can get everything sort of like blended together. That's the only point in time where you get a, a sort of holistic view of what actually happened. Mm -hmm. um, and I think this movie, like the whole thesis is like how perspective drives truth. Like what's true for, for one person is not going to be true for someone else. Um, and it's not until you get all of those different perspectives sort of coming together and like fitting as puzzle pieces to get the entire picture. Right. And like certain certain people's truths are more in line with the actual truth than other people's. And I think that at the end of the movie is like, ultimately what we find out is that someone's truth is way more critical than everyone else's truth. Absolutely. Um, and it's, it's, it's really cool. It's um, it's, and I think this is something that I mentioned last week, mm -hmm. but it's, uh, it's kind of derivative of, of the Kurosawa movie, Rashomon or Rashomon. I don't know how to actually pronounce it. My Japanese is terrible. Um, but it's it, it's the same sort of thing, and it, it was probably the first movie to to do this, where it's all it centered around a specific event, and there are different players who are all involved in said event, and it's about their retelling of of the story of of what happened. And I think in Rashomon you get four different perspectives of what actually happened, and that's how we get to the to the end the end truth. We'll say, um, and it's just like really weird that that's not something that filmmakers use more. Like movies as a medium don't need to be strictly linear. Like, of course, we found a lot that a lot of like our favorite movies, like I mean, like Tarantino is like the first thing that comes to mind. Like he loves nonlinear story storytelling, and even though this isn't the same kind of thing where like you're jumping around, you're just retelling the same thing over and over again. But like you can you can weave that into a movie and you can make something that's really interesting. And this movie wouldn't have been as good as if it were just like, here's what happened. And you right. just lay it all out as one singular story thread. Right. I think, I think what, what's exciting about it is that when it's done effectively, which I think it is in this case, and, and this is uh, particular to the way it's structured and shown to us 
is that the order of perspectives we get, as you said, is very important. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, because the final one is pretty much probably the truth as far as the film is concerned with the story it's telling. But what's great about it is that, and I didn't know this going in, I didn't know it was a perspective story. Mm -hmm. So what's great is that when you see these scenes and these events happen again and again, the way you saw them the first time are now recontextualized. Yeah. So you now have a new opinion on what you watched 45 minutes or 90 minutes ago than you had the first time you watched, which is what any good film does, even when it's told linearly, holy shit, this was really going on, or yeah. this was significant because of this reason that I didn't pick up on. So it gets your brain working, and it's exciting for yeah. that reason. Imagine a movie makes you think. <laughs> Imagine engaging in a movie in a way that's that's beyond just, wow, that looked cool. Yeah, like, truly. <laughs> it's, it's wild. Um, without being too spoilery, you know, it's, it's just interesting to be like, oh, this is our hero, mm -hmm. and he has a clear villain. Uh, and now we're looking at the villain and like, oh, the hero's kind of a doofus and just doesn't see it the right way. And then we get a third perspective where it's like, oh, they're just bullshitheads. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what it does. What it does best is it doesn't necessarily like, well, I guess it does recontextualize like the actual events that we're seeing. But I think the the biggest thing that it does is it recontextualizes the characters yes. and like who who they actually are and like what their motives are and whether or not we should be aligning ourselves with their motives. Um, and again, like not to get too far into the weeds, but you know, Matt Damon's Le Carouge is the, that's the first story that we see. And, you know, it's, it's purposeful that his story comes first because you sort of align yourself with him. You align right. yourself with him as the protagonist, like, Oh, Matt Damon. I love him from the born legacy. Like, I, <laughs> I, I really need to know what's going on with his Le Carouge character. Like, He's a movie star, so he's who I should be identifying with. And then you get these other versions of the story, and you start to realize that, oh, he's not the hero or the protagonist or, you know, the the main person who we should be identifying with in this movie the way that I originally thought he was. And like, like you said, weird thing for a movie to actually make us think about how we relate to what it is that we're seeing on the screen and what it reflects about us as audience members. Like, I had, like... I had a serious uh, internal struggle with like watching it and thinking at first that Matt Damon was a certain way and then realizing that he was nothing like the way that he portrays himself in his own version of the story. And like, okay, so what does that mean about me and like how I identify? Like, does that recontextualize how I see myself in the world and like the things that I do? Am I a shittier person than I actually thought I was? Right. So that's the, that's, that's, uh, that's kind of how I walked away from this movie, thinking, am I a shittier person than I thought I was I when think, I started this? I think anyone who sits down and watches it and really pays attention to what's happening and listens to what's being said and looks at the images, <laughs> uh, I think they, they will be hard-pressed not to come out of this experience thinking something similarly, Yeah, uh, perhaps. Um, but to your point, I think what's interesting, too, is that not only are the three characters different um, in each of the three acts, for lack of a better way of, of explaining it, is that the characterization of the other characters when it's their perspective uh, is so different from one yeah. another, um, which is, once again, just a testament to the, the acting skills of, of these three actors. And um, also, and Ben Affleck, isn't it? He's also there with <laughs> dyed blonde hair. Um, and it's just like you have, you know, you have the first iteration, like, 
Jodie Comer as Marguerite Carouge, she <laughs> <laughs> like she comes off as a ditz. Yeah. When it's from Matt Damon's perspective, oh, this is my ditzy wife who doesn't know anything, who's just a powerless victim, shall we say? Um, and then you get her characterization when uh, it's uh, Jacques Legree, mm-hmm. um, where it's like, oh, she's this temptress, kind of smart behind the scenes character. Um, and then you get to her perspective and you realize that, oh, neither of those men know who she yeah. is at all, as is often the case <laughs> in relationships between men and women. <laughs> um, and you find out, you know, she's this strong, able-bodied individual yeah. who has a perspective on things, is smarter than most people, and you see her day-to-day living in this horrible world of tyrannical men. <laughs> um, which I think is really what it is. <laughs> it's really about yeah, yeah. No, it's, um, it's cool, because it, like, it not only, like, recontextualizes, like, her as a character, but also just how we as a society view women and, like, their roles. Um, because for so much of human history, like, women were not given agency and sort of seen as second-class citizens and, and treated in the same way. And like, that's how she's portrayed in the first two, in the first two acts of the, of the story. And it's like, she's a second-class citizen in two very different ways. Right. But at the end of the day, um, she's someone who lacks agency and it's not until her, her version of the story where we actually see her for like who she is. And we see like some of the complexities of, of her as, as a person and like, what a, what a wild thing to think that like women have their own characteristics and personalities and they should be explored and understood. And it shouldn't all just be told from a man's perspective. And like, it doesn't just do, it's not just playing with that notion of like who she is as a character, but just how we see women in the world. Absolutely. It's like, I think we were, I I hate that. I keep saying this. I think we were talking about this last week, but uh, <laughs> it's like so so much of that is is the script and like the script structure um, and not so much of it is Ridley Scott and his <laughs> and his directing right like there are a lot of things that work in this movie's favor and usually like when you watch a movie when I watch a movie I like to think like okay like what is this director like why is this director making this movie like what is it that they're trying to say about the world and like why are they choosing to do it through this medium, through this particular story in the way that it's presented to me. And this movie is one where I walked away from it and I was like, you know, I don't think that this is like a Ridley Scott vehicle. (laughs) I think he was just there to turn the cameras on and make sure that they were pointed at the actors who were reading lines. And like the real heavy lifting is being done by, by the script and the actors. Right. There's, there's one particular amazingly acted scene by Jodie Comer when she's on trial and she's like, like holding back her tears and her face is red. And she just has this amazing monologue and performance and scene with these clerics and, um, you know, describing the difficulties of being a woman and the intricacies of, uh, you know, this horrible event that happened to her and what it, means to be a woman and really diving internally into what that is. And it's really hard to imagine that in between takes Ridley Scott would walk up to her and whisper, that was, that was great, Jody. Let's, uh, you know, make sure to really convey what it means to be a woman. <laughs> Next take. I don't think that. I don't think he was, he was asking the actors to yeah. play it differently. I think the actors just 
knew to do that, and Ridley Scott was just there. Yes, he he directed the 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 battle scenes, right. the few battle scenes that are there. Like that's why that's why he was on set. Right? Do we, is, there, is there a horse or a, yeah. a, a sword in yeah. this scene? There isn't. Okay, uh, the camera's pointed at you. Action! Yeah, <laughs> Ridley, you could go to the bathroom yeah, or right. something. You can go for a stroll. Jody's just having this amazing scene. Everyone's <laughs> weeping on set. Ridley's just there sipping a coffee, like doodling what the, <laughs> doing, the frames for the next battle or doing a Sudoku. Yes, yeah, Sudoku, right. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I don't think that he was too heavily involved in those character moments. I think you, I agree with you. I, I think that you have very three accomplished and smart performers here. And, and Ben Affleck. Affleck. I almost said Matt Affleck. <laughs> ben Damon. That's <laughs> pretty much the same right. at this point. Uh, yes, I think that you know he was the choice because it's it's a period piece. Mm -hmm. um, and what's interesting is that the battles are very uh, sort of peppered throughout, and they're not very long at all. No. Very infrequent and quick. Um, it's not the main focus. Right. It's not what the movie's about. Right. Um, and once again, I believe we, we talked about this last week, uh, sort of, and, and what's, what's so interesting and also somewhat ironic about what the movie is about the, you know, the, the, the agency and also powerlessness of, of a woman mm -hmm. is that the film is called, it's literally in the title, the last duel. It's a duel between two men relating to this woman and she has no power over the outcome of something that's happening in front of her that ultimately decides her fate. Yeah, exactly. We can say that. We can say that. Um, and what's amazing about it is that you're watching it and all of those things are going on underneath it. There's so much at stake here. Mm -hmm. The duel is so much about more than just which of these two men is going to win. Yeah. It's exciting because it's about that. And at the end of the day, what's great is that it also happens to be a fucking badass action scene. Yeah, it's the best of both worlds. Yeah, which is something that we don't typically see from action sequences. Right. They're usually just in there for the sake of being there, and they don't have actual stakes attached to them. Right. And we don't understand the stakes. We don't understand the emotional investment. Like, I can't think of the last time that I've been watched that I that was watching something just like so brutal and like and just you know, somewhat gory and, and, and really like exciting in that like action set piece sort of way while also being so emotionally invested in what's going on because of like where it falls in the story and what it means, not so much for all of these characters, but for Marguerite in particular, like what this all means for her. And, and at that point in the story, like, unless you're a monster, you're, you've, you fully identified with her mm -hmm. as the, the main sort of, uh, you know, sympathetic character and it, you don't really care about the other two, but you do have to care about the other two and the fight that they're having because of what it means for her and her character. Right. And the, the marriage of those two things is like, it's so rare in filmmaking and it's such a joy to, to see it actually done in a good way. And that's, you know, that's when Ridley Scott is, is important to the movie. Yes. Even though he at that moment didn't understand probably what what was happening you know on the emotional side but the script and all the work that the script and the actors did leading up to that 
they're able to carry that end of it. Absolutely. And I, I actually don't think we discussed this last week. I'm not, I don't know who edited the film, but Ooh. I paid very close attention upon second viewing to yeah. how it was edited and put together. I would have if I, yeah, if I rewatched it. Of course. Um, and how watching a scene three times, not just the performance, the slight adjustments to performance and the slight adjustments to the way this, the script reads, um, but also how it's slightly shot and edited differently in each version also supports that. So I think whoever edited this also did an absolutely fantastic job because they make the same scene three times equally as interesting, if not more interesting, every single time. Yeah. Um, which it surprises me that this, as, as we've said, is not really on the radar, I think, for award season. Who knows? Maybe it is. We haven't looked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we haven't done our Oscar no, uh, and it's this, it's this week. Is it this week? Well, by the time this comes out, actually, it will have been last week. <laughs> yeah, the Oscars are this it's, Sunday, which would have well, been last, last Sunday. Sunday. Oh, so. Okay, we're behind. We're behind, yeah. yeah that's okay. Yeah, it's whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's March Madness. Yeah, it's March Madness. Yeah, come on. You can't have Oscars during March Madness. Um, so if, if I had any stake whatsoever, I, once again, I think we said this last week. Uh, <laughs> This, I definitely think, is probably one of the best films I saw that came out last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that in a perfect world, Jodie Comer would be nominated for Best Supporting Actress, mm-hmm. which is almost ironic and obnoxious that it's Best Supporting or, Actress. And not, yeah, I was going to say, it should, it should be Best best Actress. because She, she is kind of the main character. She, yeah. Um, but she doesn't have the same screen time. Right. But it's that, that's like, that's the, that's point. the point. That's, that's the what point. it's playing with. Right. Um, she is absolutely phenomenal in this. Um, I think that, uh, the script should get a nom. Mm-hmm. And I also think that the editing should get a, a, a serious nom. I think those, those three things yeah. are, I, I think if it were a slightly weaker year, I think there are a lot of good performances that came out last year. I could honestly see Damon maybe being thrown in there. Cause yeah. I thought he was very, very good in this. He, yeah. They're, they're both really good in this. So is Adam driver. Right. Um, yeah, the three of them. It, it it's cool to to watch a movie where three actors are are sort of all on the same page in mm-hmm. terms of what needs to be done to tell the story. Um, and it's it, it's obvious here that they're all like super bought in and and not just bought in, but they're they have a a legit understanding of what it is that they need to do in order to make the movie that needs to be made. Um, but again, so much of that is, is is from the script. Like this is one of the tightest scripts I've seen in uh, several years. Absolutely, like many many years. No fat on it. No fat on it whatsoever. It, it, it's right to the point. It's really this is like for I would say for anyone who's interested in screenwriting, um, and like screenwriting from the perspective of like you're writing it before there's a director attached, and like you as a scriptwriter, you're that draft of the script, it, you're directing it. You're directing the movie before there's a director attached. You're not just writing something that then someone else can come in and interpret in their own way. Like you're making the script and you're essentially building what the movie is going to be. It just needs to be filmed. Right. I think this is a perfect, perfect example of, of that. It is. That's ideally that's what a good script does. It does all the heavy yeah. lifting before you even take it off the page. It's like, oh, this is what it is. Yeah. Now we just put it on its feet and shoot it. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And then put Ben Affleck in it too. And then, put, and then also Ben Affleck is in it. Right. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's hard to, to like really talk about this without. Right. Without we, diving in. We, 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 we discussed the spoil, the big spoiler last week. I'm glad we didn't this time. Yeah. I think it's better that way. I think for anyone who's listening and if you haven't seen the movie and are maybe interested in seeing it, I think you'll, you'll have a deeper appreciation for the movie, not, knowing sort of what these big events or the, the big event is. Um, it'll just be a more enjoyable watch. Right. Um, but yeah, dude, I think, uh, I think this is one of the better movies of last year. And it's really a shame that it's not getting the love that it deserves. I agree. Everyone I'm telling everyone to check it out, watch it. I think it's that good. I think that, I think that most people will enjoy it. I think that there will probably be a select few who watch it who it's probably a little too heavy for. I think what the movie really asks is quite a lot in terms of just like how to think about these things that happened and how they happen today. Um, yeah. And how, you know, the 700 year difference really doesn't mean much and how these horrible things that could happen then happen these days and the way women deal with them are really not too dissimilar. Yeah. And I think this might be an unfair thing to say, but I think anyone who, anyone who would have a tough time like enjoying this movie for all of the deep social commentary that's there are the exact people who need to learn the most from a movie like this. Right. Um, and it's, I, I think, I do think that framing it within this sort of period piece, uh, you know, swords and, and horsey battle kind of, <laughs> I think, I think using that framework for it is a way to pull in some folks who otherwise wouldn't enjoy it or who otherwise wouldn't be as say sympathetic to it or as responsive to it. I think it's a good way to pull those folks in. And to maybe sort of like subconsciously get them to start thinking about things in a, in a different way. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, there's there's no reason why anyone shouldn't really adore this flick for 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 all that it's doing. What what is a film? It is a visual piece of storytelling. What does this film do? It tells a story beautifully visually. It's a, <laughs> it's just a good movie. That's, yeah. that's just what it is. Uh, I highly recommend it to everyone. Uh, if you have HBO, watch it. Yeah. Just watch it. Just watch it. It's great. It is long, but it has to be. It, it's it long, but it's, I mean, and like back to the editing piece, it's, it's and, and the script writing piece, it, it's paced very well. Absolutely. It, it, it doesn't fly by, but you you do understand why everything is there for, for a reason. There's no fluff on this. Right. There's no, there's no scenes that go, go on longer than they should. Everything is, is very perf purposely placed in the, you know, in the runtime of, of where it is. Um, but yeah, going back to the script, this is the first Ben Affleck, Matt Damon script since Goodwill Hunting. And it's damn good. And it's damn good. And they, so they, they wrote this, they team, team back up to write this movie. Um, someone must have read it over, like probably a, a good friend read it over and they were like, so you guys are making this movie, you know, about relationships between 
men and women and different perspectives of events between men and women, but you're writing it as two men. You, you got to you got to bring in a, a woman to, to help you write the script. So they did that, and I think the movie like it's helped out a lot. If but they if did, this was just two men. It probably it probably wouldn't have hit as hard as it did. Honestly, I'm sure it would have been very apparent that it was <laughs> two dudes yeah. imagining how a woman feels, <laughs> which is like are imitating life. Like right. that's the whole point of the story. Right. Two men under like thinking that they have an understanding of how the world works. And how they present the world, but you need a woman to come in, at least one woman. And like, it's funny that it's only one one woman versus two men, right. and not you know three right. women and, and three men or, or whatever. Right. Um, but you, you need at least one woman's perspective, right, in order to to get a a fuller, if not like totally full understanding of what's actually going on. Right, someone to be like, hey, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, that's not actually how a woman feels about yeah. these things. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Yeah, of course that's, it is. That's yeah. what. That's how I know women think about things, so <laughs> it, it must be so. And here we are, two yeah. men. Two men discussing, <laughs> discussing a film about a woman, <laughs> ultimately. Well, we that's should have it. a woman. Too. We should have, yes. We'll, we'll, sh- we'll do this a third time. The, the real last the duel. The real last duel. The final, final duel. Where we'll discuss everything once again, and we'll say... We said this twice before. Yeah. <laughs> We're saying it again. From two different perspectives. From two different perspectives, right. Um, oh, this was a joke we made last week. Um, it'd be great to have a behind-the-scenes making of this film. And just like the movie is three perspectives, you have three perspectives. You have the crew, yeah. the actors, and Ridley Scott. And when it's Ridley Scott's perspective, he's in charge of everything, and everything happening that's great is happening because of him. He's directing the bejesus out of the actors. He's treating the crew fantastically. Then you have the actor's perspective and he's not directing them at all. They're, <laughs> They're figuring it yeah. out themselves. Matt Kirk, Damon is setting up the camera shots. Right, right. Ben Affleck's really directing yeah. it. <laughs> Would be great. Hilarious. And then you have the crew perspective. They're like, it was, it was miserable. We're working 18 hour days. Right. If we haven't seen our families in right. months, we're, we're in the middle of France. It's raining every day. Right. Ridley's yeah. an asshole. Matt and Ben are assholes. <laughs> Jody, she was kind of nice. Jody was nice. Yeah. Adam Driver's just weird. Adam Driver's weird. It's not a wig. That's really his hair. He, he sounds like that even when the camera's not rolling. <laughs> Carouge. Raph. I always thought Adam Driver, because I'd first seen him in Star Wars. And yes. I thought that was a voice that he was doing for Kylo Ren. And then I saw him in other stuff and realized that that's just how he sounds. That's how he sounds. That's a weird dude, man. He is a weird It's a weird dude. dude. But I appreciate his acting. He, I like yeah. what he does as an actor. So interesting how he was a Marine, and then he was just like, I kind of want to act. And then he just became a great actor. <laughs> yeah. He must have been a character of the Marines. Yeah, I'm sure he was. Yeah, he's definitely an outcast. Sounding like that without question. Yeah. Um, but I do. I enjoy his work very much. He's definitely the best part of the Star Wars sequels. Oh, yeah, 100%. Sure. Yeah. Um, Raph, I'm glad we got this one under our belt again after yes. the heartbreak of last week. Um. Let's have a repeat of your ending thoughts and how you'd rate the film. Yeah. What do you think? For sure, dude. I I mean, I think we've kind of laid it out. I think we've made it very obvious that we both very much so enjoy this movie. Um, I think it's super well made. I think it's uh, I think it's an important topic. Um, and when a movie can marry those two things, uh, when you can have interesting social commentary, that's important but also present it in a way 
that is that's good from a filmmaking perspective and also different from a filmmaking perspective and actually utilizing the medium and all the tools available within the medium to further that story. I just think it's a really, really cool thing that we don't see enough of. Um, I would give this movie four stars out of five and I recommend the holy hell out of it to, to everyone I know. Love it. What about you? I echo your sentiments exactly. I think it is a masterclass uh, in acting. It's a masterclass in editing and it's a masterclass in screenwriting. I think that it manages to be both uh, exciting and thoughtful at the same time. Um, I too give it four out of five stars. I think it's a must watch. Would recommend it to anyone. And in terms of an actual acting craft, there's very few films like it where you can watch it and like see the subtle differences in these performances and what the actors are actively doing. Um, I think it's great. Check it out. Hell yeah. Raph, who the hell are you? Where can you be found? Dude, I'm Raph. I can be found on the internet. I can also be found in Brooklyn, but mostly on the internet for those of you not in Brooklyn. Um, I can be found on Twitter and on Instagram and on Letterboxd at Raph Stitt, R-A-F-S-T-I-T-T. It's all one word. Raph Stitt. I can be found there giving awful, awful movie takes. Love it. Michael, who the hell are you? Dude, Where the hell can you be found? Dude, I'm Michael. The hell I can be found is on Instagram <laughs> at Michael underscore Romeo underscore Rocco underscore. That's R-U-O-C-C-O. Michael Romeo Rocco underscores in between and at the end. I will say it like that every time. You know, it's equally as confusing every single time. You can also find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Michael underscore Rocco, R-U-O-C-C-O. And you can find both Raph, myself, and the podcast proper at Straight2DVDPod. That's the number two, Straight2DVDPod on Twitter, Instagram, and wherever you get your podcasts. Raph, yeah. Ellie. Dude. Another great one for the books. Excellent good, discussion. Good stuff. Yes. Good talk. We'll be That's back. All I have. That's yeah, all we will be back. We'll be back doing something else. Hope you enjoyed the Oscars. Oh yeah, that's right. The yes, by the time this airs, the Oscars will have been out. We will have seen them. Yeah. Maybe we'll do an Oscars episode. Maybe. Yeah. A posthumous. Yeah. Not quite right. But same shit. Yeah. Oscars are dead, dude. Oscars dead. Oscars dead. Yeah. He's he's dead as fuck. Get out of here. Yeah. Oscar. All right. All right. Cool. All right. Next time. Later.